0: Tonight's Old Testament Bible reading is from Psalm chapter 12, it can be found on page 387 of the Bibles. That's Psalm 12 and page 387. Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue that says, We will triumph with our tongues. We own our lips. Who is our master? Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. The wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honoured among men. The New Testament Bible reading is from the book of James. Chapter 3, and can be found on page 855 of the Bible. It's James 3, on page 855, reading verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Father, thank you for this chance to gather in this place on this day. Thank you for your living and active word and for the great privilege of having it in our own tongue. Lord, we need you to speak to us. We want to know how to live lives that please you. And so I pray for a powerful work of your spirit and your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take a seat and turn back in your Bibles to to James chapter 3. It's on page 855. If you haven't met, my name is Paul. I'm the pastor here. And we spent the last few weeks looking at the book of James. Tonight, chapter 3. And we're looking at uh, words or the human tongue. I'm sure you know the playground taunt. Uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but but words can never hurt me. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And we know it's utter, utter nonsense (laughs) because words can be the most hurtful, the most destructive, the most damaging things that we face. Uh, You probably sit there and you remember Uh, words that were spoken to you five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, The words of maybe a parent who told you that they really didn't love you. And those words really hit you hard in the heart. Uh, The words of a a school teacher who, who told you when you were six or seven that you were stupid and just that word stupid just took root in you and you've carried it throughout your whole life. Uh, the words of a, of a lover who says, I don't love you anymore. And those words are really, really painful. Uh, the words that have traumatized you and haunted you, maybe a school friend who mocked you because of your body shape. And you've carried that for the last 10, 15, 20 years. We know how powerful words are. We know that words really can hurt people. And that's why we use words. And when that person who has done something to us which we really want revenge, and we sit there and we plot and we plan, what is the word that's going to get under their skin and cause them the most hurt and the most harm? And it's kind of like a a machine gun. We just fire off those words And we know they're going to hurt. I kind of want to rewrite that schoolyard taunt. Uh, Sticks and stones can only break my bones, but that's okay because my bones will heal. But words, they have the power to cause me real harm. And words have the power to just penetrate my real soul and my heart. And words, 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 they are really very powerful. Just think of how powerful these words are. I love you. They're powerful words, aren't they? I hate you. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death is due part. Darling, you are so beautiful. You bring me such joy. Are you stupid or what? How dare you do that to me? Just the power of words. We we know we know what pain it can cause people, and James knows. He knows that in a church setting, uh, words can make church the most beautiful place on earth where with our words we we praise God and we adore God and with our words we encourage each other and the way that Christians talk to each other is supposed to be different and yet for many churches can be the most lonely and dreadful place to be as they see people slandering and bickering and fighting and gossiping all because of words. And James has been saying to these Christians stop pretending to be church. It's not about mere profession of your faith. It's not about just saying, I have faith. It's actually what you do that will show whether your faith is real. And you know what, friends? Your words will actually show how genuine your faith really is. Let's look at uh, James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Remember those three tests of genuine faith? Are you controlling your tongue? Are you helping the needy and the helpless? And are you keeping yourself from being polluted by the world? And the structure of James is this, that in chapter 2, he deals with the orphans and the widows and caring for those in need. In chapter 4, he will deal with being polluted from the world. And in chapter 3, it's all about the tongue. And if you're like me, I find my speech and my tongue almost the hardest thing to control. I choose that moment of gossip, or I choose to put people down. Let me ask you, who of us here has never sinned with our tongue? The sly innuendo, the untruthful statement, the hasty word, the harmful gossip, the slander. If we didn't sin with our speech, we'd be perfect. That's what James says in chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. We're not perfect. We have many sins in our life. Uh, But if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. It struck me preparing James this week. Do you remember who's writing this letter? Who is James? He is the brother of Jesus. Uh, He lived in the same house as Jesus. He grew up with Jesus. Can you imagine spending 30 years living with his brother who he never said a wrong word and he never slandered he never gossiped and even when he was wrongly treated he never retaliated and that's what James is talking about the perfect man that's what we should be aspiring to if we're followers of Jesus to be the perfect person that involves my friend controlling your tongue watching what you say let me give you three points tonight all about power words have power to direct. Uh, your words have the power to direct and shape and control the path of your life. Uh, the thing I love about this chapter is that he doesn't give you a list of words that you can say and words that you can't say. He's not into rules. He wants you to understand how, just how powerful your tongue really is and how to control it because your tongue, listen carefully, your tongue is actually a master key in your life and it will be crucial To directing and controlling and shaping the path of your life. Uh, James has got some great examples. The first one is in verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. That is remarkable, isn't it? You've got an unruly mind of its own kind of horse if you've ever ridden a horse you know how unruly they are you tell them to, to gallop and they don't gallop they trot and tell them to trot and they end up galloping and you just can't control it how are you going to control this beast of an animal? and the answer is you get this tiny tiny little bit and you stick it in the, ho- in the mouth of the horse and with that tiny bit you, you direct its path and you can t- control it or take massive ships verse 4, take a ship for example although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go don't know about you but um, I'm a bit perplexed by this Australian obsession with ships and boats and every time a massive boat comes into a harbour Sydney kind of stops and everyone gets into their cars from Penrith and drives to the harbour to see a, a big floating vessel what is it? Uh, the Queen Mary, okay, she is 310 metres long. That's almost half a kilometer long. She's 55 metres high, and she's got a rudder, which is maybe, what, about, I don't know, three times the size of a lectern? It's tiny. But with this tiny, tiny rudder, the pilot can steer that massive, massive floating vessel. And according to James, same with your tongue. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. It is small, isn't it? It's not as big as a hand, it's not as big as a foot, it's not as big as your back, it's tiny. But with your tongue, you will shape your path and direct which path you're going to take. I think what he's saying here is that a bit like a a horse, uh, internally we can be really unruly, and our minds can be completely out of control. But the way that you choose to use your tongue will actually either control that... Or be out of control. <laughs> Let me give you an example. Uh, you've got bitterness in your heart. Uh, somebody's really offended you, and you're really angry and you're bitter. That's the internal force at work. Now, you can choose to, to clothe that bitterness with a word full of bitterness. And if you do that, you get on a path called bitterness. Or you can choose to take that bitterness and with a word you can clothe it with kindness and forgiveness and gentleness. And when you do that, you're going on a completely different path. A word shapes your direction. Or take the external forces, the winds and the storms like a ship, but the winds and the storm of life, you know. Someone says to you the words, you are retrenched. That's the external force. And you've got a choice. You can moan, you can demand your rights, you can slag off your boss with your tongue, you can boast about how good you are, or you can choose to clothe that with a word which is just dignity and trust. And that will direct the path of your life. See, how the way that you use your words will take you down one path or another path. And your tongue is kind of like all out of proportion to its size, I've only just got this this week. You know, I often don't think that my my tongue is so crucial to the path that my life takes. And James says, no, no, your tongue will shape everything that you do. And he's spot on. Your words matter. Uh, Because secondly, words have the power to destroy. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 5. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, the tongue also is a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by, by hell. He says, just like a spark, tongue has a, has a potential to cause utter devastation and massive, massive destruction. I don't need to paint a big picture, do I, about... How a forest fire can start by a spark because just two weeks ago down in Victoria we have seen the utter utter destruction caused by a small spark you know you've seen those pictures which they look kind of like a war zone of cars that have been burnt out and, and trucks where metal has just melted and Animals, their carcasses are lying around and houses have been destroyed and it's just grey and it's ash and it's utter destruction. How did that start? By a small, small spark. A bit of ember and the whole thing goes to light. And James is saying, it's just like your words, my friends. One small word can cause utter destruction. You've got to be realistic about what, how evil and powerful your words can be. Let me read you some verses from scripture to show you how God sees our, our natural state, our sinful state, uh, what our tongue is really like. Romans 3 says this, There's no one's righteous, not even one. Our tongues are open graves, our tongues practice deceit, poison of vipers on our lips, and our mouth is full of cursing and, and bitterness. Do you remember when um, Isaiah painted that picture before the, the heavenly throne? He says, uh, Woe is me, I'm a man of, what did he say? A man of unclean lips. Uh, Proverbs 12, Reckless words pierce like a sword. Uh, Proverbs 16, The scoundrel plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. Or James, chapter 3. Verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by Gehenna, by hell. Or down in verse 8, it's restless evil, full of deadly poison. It's kind of saying that the evil that comes from your heart the evil words and the wrong words and the slanderous words and the gossiping and the chattering and the boasting and the lying that, that, that damage other people than damage yourself, they actually belong to the realm called hell. Do you remember when when Peter had just confessed that Jesus was a Christ? And Jesus turned around to Peter and said, that's right, and I'm going I'm to go and die and, and, and then three days later rise again. And Peter said, no, never, Lord, Never. And what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. He's saying, your words, they're not godly words, they're actually words of hell, words of Satan. And he's kind of saying, the evil that comes out of your mouth, that's where it comes from. And I'm sure if I said to you, you know, tell me the things that you've done in life that you regret. You could list a few things that you've done in life that you regret. If I said to you, tell me the things you've said in life that you regret I'm sure you could list a lot lot more because from the youngest kid to the oldest person who's about to die, our words cause great damage, they damage other people Proverbs again, a lying tongue hates those it hurts and a flattering mouth works ruin reckless words pierce like a sword James says in verse 9 with a tongue we praise our Lord and Father and yet with the same tongue we curse men we speak evil of men we wish them evil but they've been made in in God's likeness Uh, we know that that the words spoken to us have damaged us and we know that the words that we speak to other people can cause massive damage and what I think we fail to realise is the words that we speak the wrong words that we speak actually damage ourselves." Deep down, we're causing our self-damage. Proverbs 12, verse 13, says, man's harmful speech will harm him. And that is true. Because if the words that come out of your mouth are are, are full of bitterness, you will become a very bitter person. If the words that come out of your mouth are full of sarcasm, you'll become a very sarcastic person. If the words that come out of your mouth are full of hatred, you'll become a very hatred person. But if the words that come out of your mouth are full of joy and peace... And kindness and compassion, that's the kind of person you'll become. Let me give you the Tim Keller from the USA. He's a pastor in the USA. He's got what's called a, a tongue test. He says to his congregation, here's my challenge for a week. Take this challenge. Look at your tongue. Look at the words you speak for a week. See if you're going to pass. Six things. Here's my challenge for Church by the Bridges week. Number one, with your words, don't complain or grumble about anything. Don't complain or grumble about anything. Number two, with your words, don't boast about anything. Don't boast about anything. Number three, don't gossip or report bad information about anybody this week. And number four, don't run someone down, even the slightest little bit. Number five, with your words, don't defend or excuse yourself. And number six, with words do always always affirm other people don't know about you but I wouldn't last 30 30 minutes (laughs) never mind a week words have the power to destroy and the power to direct thirdly have the power to reveal the true nature of of your heart your words will reveal what's going on deep in your heart Look at verse 12. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? He's saying, uh, the fruit that you are will show itself in the fruit that you bear. Neither can a, a salt water, salt spring produce fresh water. If you're a salt spring, you can't see fresh water. If you're a fresh water, you can't produce salt. He's saying, what comes out of your mouth? will actually show the world what's going on deep down in your heart. Because no one can see your heart, but they can hear your words. I reckon Jesus is the, uh, the psychologist extraordinaire. What happens when you go to a psychologist? They sit you down and they say, Talk to me. Talk to me. And you start to speak about things. And as you speak, you often hear yourself saying things and you go... Oh, I can't believe I said that. Oh, actually, yeah, uh, no, I do think that, Yep. And the words that you speak actually show what's happening deep down inside of you. And James is saying, if there's a real love for Jesus in your heart, that'll show itself in the words that you speak. But if your faith, as we saw last week, is just dead and useless and just all show eventually your words will catch you out. And that's happened time and time again, hasn't it? Christian leaders who have fallen from grace and their words have revealed what's happening deep down in their heart. It reminds me of of the words again of Jesus in Matthew chapter 15. He says, not what we put into your mouth that makes you unclean, it's what comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean because from your heart comes words of envy, slander, bitterness, etc., etc., so, my friends, watch your words. So it's to almost say to you tonight, watch your words. Look at the at verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We'll talk about teaching in a sec, but look at those words, we'll be judged. Not just the teachers will be judged, but we will all be judged. You've got to understand this. As a Christian. You're saved by grace. If you come to the cross, you are forgiven and restored and redeemed. And yet in that last day, you will stand before God, called his son, call his daughter because of Christ. But we're still going to be judged. Judged on what God has given us and how we've used it and how we've used our words. And then Christ will step in and say, it's okay, i paid for that. And us teachers, me included, connect leaders, kids church leaders, anyone who teaches verse 1, it's a scary verse will be judged more strictly why is that? I'll tell you why because we've been entrusted with the very words of God we've been entrusted with the good deposit we have the potential to lead people towards uh, heaven and eternity and a loving, joyful relationship with Christ, or we've got the potential to lead people down a path called hell and the words that teachers speak will either teach the truth or they'll teach error. And that's why we'll be judged more strictly. just wonder whether in Sydney we need to be a bit more careful about who we allow to teach or who we say, why don't you go to ministry? Perhaps we need to say, don't go into ministry because the words that you speak are not from the scriptures. I keep meeting people and this is scary for me who talk about a sermon they heard of mine or a conversation that we had and something I I said to them it it changed their life and they took a different path and I keep having to remind myself that every time I stand here and teach the word of God be careful about what you say. It's a serious calling. And I keep meeting people sadly who have been so disillusioned and led astray by Christian teachers, so-called Christian teachers. Men and women who claimed to teach the truth, but actually it was all lies. And men and women who were just after a following, they, they were craving attention and a flog, but not pointing people towards Jesus. And men and women who just taught error and just promised people the things that the Bible never promised. And these people are just thoroughly, thoroughly, Thoroughly disillusioned, and they're out there and they're in here. I want to say that if you're sitting here tonight, t- take comfort from, from, k- great comfort from verse one that we who teach will be judged more strictly. God will judge he might judge now and remove them from ministry. He might judge on that last day. but the liberating thing is that we need to be praying and praying that those who teach will teach what is true. Their words will be truthful. But whether we're teachers or whether we're listeners, how, how, how do we control our tongues? That's what we want to know, isn't it? How can we watch our words? Because James says in verse 7, it's impossible. All kinds of animals have been tamed. We've tamed the lion, we've tamed the crocodile, but verse 8, no man can tame the tongue. We can never reach a point where your words are utterly perfect. There's nothing under your power to control your tongue. What's the answer? We need help, don't we? What's the answer? The only answer is a new heart. A new heart that is shaped like God's heart and not like the world. And God gives you that new heart when you turn to Christ. And the amazing thing is that if you're in Christ, the words that come from you are from a different kind of fire. They're not from the kind of the fire of Gehenna. They're from the fire called the fire of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit takes your heart and transforms your heart. And bit by bit, it's happened to me. I've watched my speech change over the last 19 years I've been a Christian. Bit by bit, He changes you, and the words reflect more what He is, and less of what the world is. That's what He does for you, and that's how your tongue is tamed. It's amazing, you know, verse 9, that with my tongue and with your tongue you can praise your Lord and Father. Have you thought about that? He has given you words, beautiful words that can adore God and, ex- and say how magnificent God is and glorify him as God and like the Apostle Paul you can say uh, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And with your lips you can say praise God for forgiveness and praise God for church family and praise God for all these good things and when you start to do that and when you start to use your lips to praise the one who made you rather than curse your fellow man Then your words start to change. With your lips, use them to praise God. And with your ears, please listen to the word of God. Because God uses words. Have you thought about that? God chooses to use words to communicate, He knows how powerful they are. And the words that He speaks are words like, You're my son. You're my daughter. I've lavished my love on you and you are deeply, deeply loved. And if you're here tonight and anyone has ever told you that you're not loved and maybe those words of a father or a mother or a friend have haunted you all your life, listen to the words of God, not the words of man. A father who says, I love you and I've shown you my son, Jesus Christ. Listen to those words and allow those words to transform the words that you speak. Praise God with your lips. Listen to His words with your ears, and lastly with your eyes. Just gaze upon the beauty of Christ. If you thought about the man on the cross. He was the perfect man of verse two. And you know, as they walked him to Calvary, they flogged him, and they spat on him, and they beat him, and they mocked him. And what does the Bible say? Did Jesus ever turn around and say, how dare you, I hate you? <laughs> no. No deceit was found in his mouth. And when they abused him, he remained silent. And as they crucified him, what did he say? What did he pray? Did he curse men? He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. <laughs> look at the Lord Jesus not just as the one who enables you to praise God but the example the example of the one who did control his tongue because he was the perfect man and strive to be like him sticks and stones can break your bones yeah words will deeply deeply hurt you but your words the words that you choose to use can either cause great hurt and great harm All great glory to your Heavenly Father. Let me pray. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we want to thank you for our Saviour Jesus and thank you for the perfect life he lived his perfect speech, his perfect words. Lord, we acknowledge that our tongues often reflect what's going on in our heart. Forgive us for slander, complaining, pride and boasting and arrogance. Forgive us for words of hatred, words of mockery, Forgive us for the sly innuendos. Forgive us for just the way that we abuse people with our lips and our tongues. Father, we need your help. We thank you for your spirit, that fire at work in us, who transforms us, who transforms our sinful nature to be like your son. Lord, we plead with you for a powerful work in this church tonight. Lord, would you not allow anybody to leave this place without their, their tongues being checked? And make us a church who use our words wisely to build people up and to praise you. And I ask that for Jesus' sake.